folks, and welcome back to another episode of Get Wrecked, the only podcast since the beginning of the universe when God farted us all out uh, that there's ever been a podcast where two butts take turns discussing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm, of course, your host, Thor, joined today, as always, by my friend and co-host. He's like a cool summer breeze on your cheek as you stand at your father's funeral. And you realize, wait, that's not the summer's breeze. That's my aunt with the mustache breathing because she's way too close to me and it tickles my ear. But it's kind of nice. It's a nice way to remember. That is all to say, my co-host is Micah. Hi. (laughs) Yep. The summer breeze of the show. (laughs) Does that imply that I just go to people's funerals? Even if I don't know who they who they are, like I'll just go and stand well, stand within the bubble of somebody who's mourning at a funeral, like at the gravesite. That's kind of what I feel like I'm doing. Well, now. no, in this metaphor, you were the person who's mourning their father in this summer funeral. Uh, their aunt's hot breath on their neck. I that <laughs> <laughs> that was you in this metaphor <laughs> i haven't heard anything more flattering so, so, so not the ant but specifically her hot breath i am i am <laughs> the hot breath well i guess breath. i did think it was a cool it was a cool breeze oh yeah cool breeze a cool, cool breeze. yeah a cool breath all right I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Of Thor. course. Uh, <laughs> uh, and today we have a very special guest, a friend of ours for a very long time. This gentleman has been my DM in D&D and Pathfinder for basically the entire time I've played tabletop RPGs. Mm-hmm. He is now a published illustrator and uh, just generally a fun dude to have around. Yeah. What's his name? Oh, I forgot. Rob? Rob. It's Rob. Coming out of the coma, yeah. Rob Hoover. (laughs) Yeah, no, we have Rob Hoover with us today. I'm feeling extra wacky today. I'm sorry. That's fine. That'll make for a a fun episode. Um, Rob, how was was getting your work published? That's kind of amazing. Uh, It's cool. You know, you have that moment as an artist or or like a creator in general Uh where... You know, you have it, you, you, you did it, you did the thing, and you're looking at it, you're like, yeah, I did the thing. Okay, what's next on the list? Sure. And you don't really take the time to appreciate it, pat yourself on the back, gloat a little bit. So I, I have to I have to learn to take the time to appreciate the moment a little bit. Yeah. Because I feel like I'm just off to the races. Next thing, let's go. Sure. You know. Yeah, I can get but. that. I gloat for sure when I see <laughs> when, when, I, when I see my stuff and I'm if I'm with somebody and I see something that I did design wise out in out in the wild I'll be like hey I'll tap somebody that I don't know I'm like see that right there me <laughs> I, just, I to, did it ah, well, that was me and this is totally real this happened a couple well it wasn't to a stranger it was to me that's, but this was that's true. like three weeks ago we were at a Halloween parade you know in the town where I live and as the marching band the high school marching band they had a these trailers that they all their stuff in it has all their logos on it you know all the the tuba players and the trumpet players and the color guard they're all walking and the trucks roll by and mike says hey thor you see that 
<laughs> I wrapped that truck. <laughs> did you design it as well? Uh huh. Yeah. It was the last thing yeah. that I did before I started teaching. Because they, that high school came to us and they showed me a picture of another band trailer and they're like, see this thing? We think it looks really cool. We want something like this, but we want it to look cooler than that. <laughs> we gotta beat them. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly nice. what it was. And it looked pretty, it was sick. Was I spent, spent a decent amount of time on it. Because it wasn't very often that I got to do super creative stuff at that place. So yeah, when I got the chance, I milked it because it was a lot of fun. But that's awesome, dude. That's oh, yeah. awesome. Thanks. Um, what is the book's name? Yeah. So it is a children's book, fully illustrated in color for young readers, called uh, On Top of a Yeti. Uh, the author is Patrick T. Fibbs, and you can find it on Amazon. Or if you're close to me, reach out to me. I'll hook you up. That's yeah. awesome. It is very neat. That's cool. I'll have to see it. I, I like. I, it's kind of. You gotta like, show me the artwork there. It's a little bit like creepy, mm-hmm. but but for kids. Yeah, it's like it's like the the classic horror characters as like kid versions. Okay. So like like your young Frankenstein and like he's Bronstein. Okay. Um, the concept of the book is written to the tune of um, "Lost My Meatball When Somebody Sneezed." But in this case, it's I lost my eyeball when I monster sneezed. So he's uh, proceeding to try to get his eyeball back, and it's you know antics uh, and and ensue. And, and <laughs> <laughs> it sounds fun. It sounds fun. <sighs> Very um, cool. Well, and Rob, so he was the person who recommended something for us today, and today we're going to be going over a concept album from the band Arion. Is that that how we pronounce it? I believe that's correct. Arion. Okay. And the album is called The Human Equation. Yeah, this was uh, this was an interesting thing. Rob, what do you what made you decide to to pick this one? Because we full disclosure, we had two episodes that we were like, hey, we're about to record these. You want to jump on? And you're like, "Mm, no, I'd rather I'd rather do something else. I really had to think about something to share with everybody. Yeah. And it's. I think part of the problem is, is like our friend group is pretty tightly knit. So usually you kind of encounter everything that everybody else has just by bumping elbows. Right? Sure. So this particular album is something that in, in high school we were we were metal and progressive metal nerds and, uh, you know, held that stuff very, very close to our hearts. And this was a, a specific album that I just I fell in love with it front to back. But I also when I was in college... I really wanted to take this and turn it into, put it on on theater, essentially. Um, so take the whole album and put it on the stage, and that would be like the my my senior project for theater. Never got to do it. I never ended up getting my my theater major, so it didn't work out anyway. But I just the, the album itself is just a cool story, and like to have that in that setting, I always thought that would be really neat. But I wanted it to be something unique, something that, that, you know, you guys hadn't experienced before is a little bit different. Yeah, I had no idea what it was. When Thor <laughs> when, when Thor was like, here's what Rob picked, I was like, I have no idea what that is at all. Samesies. Yeah. And we talked, so on our last episode we recorded, at the end we were talking about, because we always preview, you know, what are we going to talk about on the next show? That way people have an opportunity to listen to it or watch it before the show. Gotcha. So our predictions were, I was like, I think I'm probably going to hate this. <laughs> because, because, and here's the thing, is because I'm not a big metal guy. Mm-hmm. And I know some of the music that you're into. 
and it's just not for me. Right. So our prediction was we we're both like never heard of this. It sounds like it's gonna stink. <laughs> just based because you said uh, I believe the text you sent was the only information you gave me was the name of it, and you're like it is a heavy metal super group that that made a concept album and i'm like mm-hmm. that doesn't sound like anything i like <laughs> <laughs> i don't like any of these adjectives any of these things yeah <laughs> um yeah i think that i agreed with thor i i like metal music but uh i'm kind of picky with it so mm-hmm. there are uh, i guess like a handful of bands metal wise but then again also metal that's kind of a vague term now well now there's so many like genres like you've got like from when i was in like high school it was like, you know, you had a couple different types of metal. Like you had hair metal, right? And sure. Then you had your normal hair, normal metal. You had thrash metal. Um, but you didn't have like Viking pop indie metal. You know, you didn't have like a lot of this other stuff that has kind of come to the surface and into fruition. So it's, there are so many genres. I mean, even this really, what, what would you now, how would you qualify it? Would it be symphonic metal orchestra orchestratic metal yeah it's got it's got some parts of metal it wasn't as heavy as i thought that it was going to be yeah not not what i expected at all actually let's so let's do first impressions okay you want to go first why don't you go ahead thor okay why don't you go ahead so once again we said i was expecting a metal album <laughs> and i was expecting screaming which i thought that's genuinely i it's not that i'm against heavy music i really hate screaming i like lyrics i like something i can sing along to right so i, I don't know exactly what i expected it wasn't this <laughs> it started off and honestly i would say i think this is probably in the realm of more in the realm of progressive rock with a lot of metal elements mm-hmm. because there are a ton of parts. I would say the majority of it is not, I would not call metal at all. And I was very surprised that it was all people singing very clearly. <laughs> <laughs> and it was basically a musical. Yeah. It was not what I expected at all. And I liked it a lot. Definitely exceeded my expectations. I thought I was going to have to <laughs> suffer through it. And I, I genuinely enjoyed listening to it. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, really. Um, I was thinking that it was going to be heavier. I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Especially, I I looked into a little bit behind what the concept of the album was. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just because I was looking at the tracks. I listened to it on YouTube. So I I could listen to it in order because I saw that it was day one through day 20. Right. So that made me think I should listen to it in order. Like that was the intent Mm -hmm. and not something to skip around. But I really, really enjoyed it. It had had a lot of different vibes yes. in in it, and I really liked the eclectic sound that it had. Like there were parts where I'm like, "Oh, this is kind of like Crosby, Stills, and Nash," and then there's other parts where I'm like, "This is kind of like the Proto Men." Do you remember the Proto Men? <laughs> um, and are you familiar with I've the Proto Men? I've never heard of that. <clears throat> the Proto Men sounds like are those the bad guys in the Power Rangers? No, those are the putties. <laughs> but I would love a rock album by the putties. <laughs> yeah, just, just doing their little dance. Just doing their little dance around. Rita's in the back doing screaming. She's like, no, Dude, Rita is so he- Rita's so heavy metal. She is definitely she, yeah. the front the front man of a metal band. Rita and the putties. Yeah, Rita and the Oh my gosh, that's a that's a band. Um 
But yeah, so there was parts of like heavy guitar riffs and then there was some screaming in it, but it was here and there. It was kind of interjected through it. And I felt it just it just had a whole bunch of different sounds, which I really enjoyed because I I genuinely didn't know what the next song was going to bring and what to expect as as it went on. Dude, it's wild. And honestly, like I said, not into super heavy metal, not into screaming. The parts where they did it, I fucking loved because it was done with a purpose and it wasn't the entire thing. Right. So it was it made perfect sense and it went with what they were doing. And then they would just segue right back into very melodic, soft singing. Yeah, like with guitars and flutes. There's a didgeridoo yeah. in the album. And there's, oh, there's a didgeridoo. There are yeah. so many so <laughs> yeah. many instruments, and every song has a different... Even the instruments that are used the whole way through, guitars and bass and the keyboards. The guy who plays the keyboard on this is a fucking wizard. Yeah. But all of those, they add... They're so have so heavy effects on them. There's like they're running through phasers and flangers mm-hmm. and music nerd shift for making stuff sound cool. Right. Yeah. Right. So so Rob, was this I saw that this band had more than one album. So the band is really just one guy. Okay. So so Arion is essentially a a concept by this guy's name. I, I might be butchering it, but I think it's Arjun Lukasen. Okay. Um, and what he basically does is he just he, he has this this concept in mind, and then he picks and chooses different musicians of various bands and stuff, um, puts them together into this pot, and just stirs the shit around and sees what happens. Um, so, like for this particular album, the main character played by is called Me, um, and that's played by James Labrie from from Dream Theater. So if you're a Dream Theater fan, you will immediately recognize his singing style. And there, there are other other people on the uh, on the album too. Like they're, they're the guy from there's a guy from Opeth on the album. I think the guy that that formed Strapping Young Lads on the album uh, on this one. But uh, each each album that he does, it's different. It's a, it's a whole different group of people. Oh, okay. Um, and and he does sing on this one, and he does instrumentals and stuff on it as well. He plays the role of the best friend on this album. Okay. Oh, yeah. so he's not me. I assumed he was. I, I actually have the list of vocalists here, and if I had just read it initially, I would know that. Because <laughs> I read, I listened to like the first three songs, mm-hmm. and I realized I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So I went to Wikipedia. I pulled it up, and so I I read a little bit about this. Um, basically the story he's stuck in a coma mm-hmm. and the character me is stuck in a coma and then his wife and best friend are by his bedside and the majority of this piece takes place in in his mind in, in his, his, in his yeah. mind and from but from what what I was getting at is from what Wikipedia said is most of the other ones that came before this were kind of sci-fi yes like rock like space operas yes basically yeah and then this one was a little bit more like de- definitely makes sense that this is the one you really like because this is it, a lot of the other albums are a little bit more niche and even in this album at the end he, he got a little um he kind of threw in that little sci-fi element at the end so uh you know not to open the the surprise at the end too quick here but at the end there's there's this moment where there's like this robotic voice talking and 
it sounds like something powering up and powering down and whatnot. And that's actually an allusion to one of his other albums. Okay. Um, that one of the sci-fi albums, they talk about this concept of the dream sequencer and it's kind of like suggestive of the whole story was all taking place within the synthetic being's mind that's trying to remember feelings but that's that's a whole totally different thing okay. i thought that i heard that and i thought it was out of place i was it yeah if you have no context for it it's really weird you're like what the hell is the end of this what just happened like you get this whole story it's like watching a movie by like nicholas sparks and all of a sudden the last 10 minutes is done by a totally different director and you're like what just happened <laughs> they give it to the wachowski brothers yeah, to exactly finish it off. <laughs> But uh, it, it, just the story in and of itself, I think, you know, just keeping to this album is just cool. It's interesting. Um, and I think they do a really good job of telling that story. I think, to your point, your first listening through, I think the hard part is differentiating different vocalists as different characters. Yep. So, like, to figure out the who's who in the story, it gets to be a little tricky. Um, well, and, and also just they don't really explain that he was in a coma. Everything. So here's my only gripe with this album <laughs> <laughs> and it is the lyrics. I feel I think me and Micah had, had like a short conversation where I just asked him, have you listened to this yet? Because it was before I had. And I was he's like, yeah. And I was like, what do you think? He's like, the lyrics are a little bit on the nose. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect way to describe it. Yeah, I feel like it's very. And once again, this guy is Dutch, I believe. I think so. So I yeah. don't know. Maybe it's a language thing or just the way he writes. But it felt very, just very straightforward, mm-hmm. and it didn't feel particularly like poetic. A lot of times, they're just like, "I'm feeling sad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. sadness. <laughs> you should feel sad. I do feel sad. Like that's basically." <laughs> Do, do so, you think he'll wake but, up? I do think he'll wake up. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but they didn't explain that he was in a coma. Everything else they explained in anime dialogue style detail. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I think that they didn't. So that's why I had to stop. Because I'm like, I understood that he was in a weird place. Mm-hmm. But I was like, is he in a? Is he in outer space? Is I had no idea what was going on. Gotcha. I think that part of the lyrics and maybe the bluntness of the lyrics would come from the amount of characters, for lack of a better term, because there yeah. were a lot of singers there involved are. in this. I want to say like nine or twelve somewhere yeah. in there. And and I, I think to be honest, if you were to try and do something really subtle and clever and poetic with the, the lyrics, it'd be really, really tough to convey the story, I think, with as many... Because each person that's singing specifically is playing a different role. Right. So if a person's singing, that's that character in the show, or I say show, in the album. So I think they almost had to be a little bit on the nose with some of their lyrics so that there'd be less for us to try and decipher mm-hmm. what was happening. Sure, that makes sense. And it really does read kind of as a musical. Yeah. I mean, the same could be said about a lot of musicals where sometimes they are basically just giving you a info dump in sure. the form of a song. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's really my only gripe with it. I would say that that's probably mine, too, as far as if I were to say things that I didn't it, not that I didn't like it. But if I had to find something that I don't know, something to complain about, it would be it would be that 
Yeah. Is that, a, that. is that a big deal in comparison to my overall experience? Not really. Right. Not really. Like, there were a couple times where I got pulled out of it, but there were a lot more times where I got pulled into the music. Yeah. Once I got into it, I was into it. I don't know about you. My favorite part about this album was I listened to this while I was working. Mm-hmm. I work with my hands so I can kind of just like shut my brain off and just do what I'm doing. And so the whole time it's going, I get why you wanted to put this onto a stage, Rob, mm-hmm. because the whole time it's going, I'm just I'm filming the movie in my head. Right. I'm I'm seeing the scenes in my head. Yeah. So maybe that is a plus to to the dialogue and perhaps I'm just presenting a problem without a solution. Like maybe it actually is just the best way to do it. Sure. But I loved picturing all this stuff in my head. Yeah. Because it is wacky. Yeah. Like it goes all over the place. It's such a neat concept to be stuck in your dreams and each of your characters kind of has or your voices in your head have their own personalities. Personas, no. Yeah. Um Rob, what was your did you do you have a favorite track on it? Like is there anything that stands out what what stands out to you about it? So I think I think one of my favorite tracks is 12 or 14. Okay. I think is called loser that's that's number 16 and on my notes i wrote number 16 loser easily my favorite track (laughs) that's the one with the didgeridoo it's the one with the didgeridoo (laughs) so on spotify they have this broken into disc one and disc two okay i don't know if they did on youtube so essentially day 12 is where disc two starts okay so that's essentially like the second act of the story and i would say i prefer that second half yeah I think I think that's where it starts because the first half is kind of very self-reflective mm-hmm. and it's kind of unique and he's kind of just exploring his dreams and it gets a little bit dark. But then once you get to the second half, at this point, it is torment. At this point, he is just dealing with the despair of being stuck in this place, not being able to get out. And I think Loser is a perfect oh my example gosh. of that. Yeah, he's. I think at that stage, he's pulling back the scab of why he is the person that he is, you know, outside of the coma and the damage that was done in his childhood, the damage that was done there. And, you know, the things that he did to the best friend and things like that. And he's coming to terms with all of that before he can even get out of his own head. Yeah. Um, That particular song I just think is, is really cool. Every time I heard it, I Mm -hmm. thought to myself, some of this, kind of feels like it might be based a little bit in reality. I think this guy's working on some stuff. <laughs> Coming to terms with something. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you like looked up his bio and he's like, dad left or abusive dad or something like that. Cause that yeah. It sounds, some of it sounds pretty personal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I think what really got me, one, the, the instrumental, of that song loser was nuts i loved it so much yeah and then the end of that album or that song where i don't even know what they were saying i didn't even look up the lyrics but all of the screaming that was happening at the end of that oh my gosh it was so cool it's like that 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 reaching the peak yeah it was just so elevated and it it just the song builds in such a cool way and then it ends just on that high note with with just the the multi track vocals 
just screaming on top of each other. Yeah. It was it was very, very well done. It sounds like the feeling of distress. Sure. You, you can feel like getting swallowed up in a pit of hell. Yeah. Other yeah. than that, though, I would say that I would prefer the first half of all 20 songs. Well, really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why, but I wrote down track three, four, seven, and nine, which is uh, Pain. Pain mystery, is a good song. Yeah. Mystery. Hope and number nine was called Playground and it was just a two minute instrumental. Didn't have anything with it other than just instruments. That's the one that starts yeah. off with like well, the kids and stuff yeah. in the background. The one uh, before that is school. Yeah. Where he's kind of talking about getting picked on and getting bullied. Yeah. So I guess that is just kind of like a, a segue into the next part. I think that's him what was it, day Day eight. eight. Yeah. He was in school. He's having those memories, and then the next day now he's just kind of sitting in those memories just reflecting on them or being kind of stuck in them before he travels to the next day the next realm the next memory he's living in wherever his brain's taking him yeah Yeah. what was the overall like story like what are the spark notes of the story so the general concept is that he's so the first song it starts off and you can hear I can't remember if this starts off with the the beep or the um, maybe day two starts off with the beeping of like the heart. Yeah, but you you get a, a car sound effect of like an accident happening. So he's in a car accident. He, he's in a coma. He's piecing together what exactly where he's at, who he is, why he's there. Um, and as he's doing that, you learn. He's also learning how he got there, and you find out that. The car accident wasn't an accident. It was part of the climax of what took place before the album started, which is he finds out that his uh, his wife cheated on him with his best friend. And that's the two characters that are sitting at his bedside. So as they're, they're talking about in certain songs about, do you think he knows? Do you think he knows what happened? Do you think he was there? Um, you know, you, you kind of piece together that, he found out what was happening. That makes so much sense. I specifically, that song, it's like, do you know he's dead? I don't think he's dead. Right. Do you think he knows? I don't think he knows, but I'm like, what do you think? What are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was confused about that specific point when they kept saying, do you think he knows? And so, then in that, that song is very neat because they keep, it's the best friend and the wife. Right. They go back and forth saying like, do you think he knows? Do you think he's alive? Mm-hmm. And then the very last a refrain of that chorus is him singing it right and they keep saying they keep asking do you think he'll live and the other person says i think he will but when he sings that he's like do you think i live i don't think i will yeah i think that's the very end of that song he said it's like uh like an i don't know and he like holds on to it yes Um, yeah exactly but yeah so as he before getting to that point he kind of has to figure out more about himself and why he is the person that he is and that's why it goes through his childhood and the abusive background and how he turned into a bully himself you know how he didn't necessarily treat his wife the best and uh, he, he and the best friend I think they both worked together and they he kind of screwed over his best friend at some point um, to get ahead the guy is by no means necessarily a great dude and he's kind of figuring that out and learning that to better himself when he does get out of the coma. 
and they all talk about it at the end like they have to you know they all want to come out and tell each other what happened what i did i, I have to get this off my chest sort of thing but yeah that's that's i would say that's, that's overall the, the general the gist story. of it it was pretty cool do you think that that happens i mean are there is that how i'm completely ignorant to what your brain is doing in a coma I don't think they know. Like, they know you have brain activity. So the closest thing that I can think of, a person very close to me that was under for a good amount of time, um, I was with him for a majority of the time, and he told me he, all the, all the drugs that you're on messes with your brain. Like, it, you, you know when you're coming out of, like, a dream state uh, and you're waking up and, like, you kind of have, like, pieced together thoughts of something that makes sense, and then as you become more awake and rational, you realize that made absolutely no sense. Yes. Yeah. Why am I thinking about chocolate and, you know, an alarm clock and I don't have to get up for work because chocolate tastes good. Like that's <laughs> doesn't know what. Yeah. Um, so the way that he explained it to me was that like, he knew I was there. Like, even though he couldn't see me, he kind of like just knew I was there, even though he didn't really know everything that was going on. There was like these weird dream sequences that he experienced where like, okay, the cleaning staff, there was no cleaning staff. Instead, the way that the hospital worked, he knew he was in a facility of some sort. The walls just went down and they put, and new walls came up the next day. That's how they cleaned everything. They got every, everything just folded up. Like the whole room was like a transformer. So like in his mind, that's how it worked? Yeah. yeah. Or yeah, whoever whoever it was. And, and that's the, interesting. And like the light, the big light that they have over the bed, that's how he was getting oxygen. It was the light over the bed that he had to look at. That was what was applying oxygen to him. Like your mind rationalizes these things and like you, it's totally wrong. But right. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but it because, makes... I mean, it's only operating at there are different parts of your brain that are active when you're awake and most of them are turned off when, you're, right. you know, that's interesting. In that state. Mm hmm. Do you yeah. want to hear, I had one of those like weird in between memory dreams and I don't know if this would work. This is, a, we're getting a little sidetracked here, but I got a question for <laughs> you All right, guys. let's hear it. Okay. So I had a dream and the little black girls and little white boys walk together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That. Shout out MLK. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, so I had a dream that I had found the last blockbuster. <laughs> All right. Because okay. I used to be right. a manager at a blockbuster, but I couldn't tell if this blockbuster was a legitimate blockbuster. Nobody would give me a straight answer. <laughs> All right. Everybody who worked there was in a blockbuster uniform. They had a blockbuster sign up top, but the entire time my brain's going blockbusters closed. <laughs> All right. So I'm like, is this really a blockbuster or are you just kind of cashing in on the blockbuster name here? And no, nobody would give me a straight answer, but they worked a little bit differently. Blockbuster wasn't a rental place anymore. Instead, here's how it worked. They put all of their focus, and this is where I want to hear your guys' thoughts. They put all of their focus on the indie film scene. All right. So like the IFC films, things that don't go into huge theaters. All right. Because we got to admit, now that we don't have Blockbuster, there's a lot of smaller movie companies that we just don't see their stuff anymore or like nearly as much. You got to dig online to find yeah, things like yeah. that. So, and that's, that was one of my favorite things about Blockbuster was digging and finding those movies that are gems, they're treasures. But 
They were never in the, like in Bruges, for example. That's an amazing movie. Yes. But I would never have found it if I didn't work at Blockbuster. So the philosophy was this. Instead of renting, they just sold movies. But all of the movies were for sale for $5 each. And then instead of purchasing films and DVDs, because, I mean, they had a whole bunch of DVDs. Instead of purchasing them from the publishers, people could donate movies. And if you donated a movie, you got $10 in-store credit. It sounds to me like you dreamed an idea that you had. Like an idea <laughs> of a business you want to open. But, but I had never thought of it. All right? so, so now I'm thinking... But you have. You did in, think of it. You're subconscious. In did. my subconscious, yeah. But never in my waking moments was I like, oh, this is a cool idea for a business. But it's kind of like a buy a book, leave a book scenario. <laughs> but where, it's a movie. Yeah, but it's movies. Right. So you you deposit a movie. You get ten, $10 movie uh, blockbuster credit, if it, if it even is blockbuster. And then you can go in and buy a movie for five bucks. I don't know if the $10 credit and only $5 purchase is a thing. It should probably be in parody. Yeah, that math doesn't work out. All right, well, You're going to run out of movies I real fast. I was dreaming, Thor. All right. <laughs> Mike dreaming Micah sucks at math. <laughs> let's, let's be real. Waking Micah, not that great either. Not so good. Yeah. Um, but I thought that's kind of a cool idea for a business. And and here's how they made money. Are you ready for this? Because my brain figured it out in the sleep. <laughs> um, they take that money and they invest it. And that's how you're able to because you're you're not getting any actual money when you deposit the films or when you donate the films. You're not getting any cash or anything. So they're donating the the um, and this is why it doesn't make sense. Because they're not actually giving the store any money. That's just hitting me right now. <laughs> when they so, give you that movie, yeah. you take that money. Yeah, you take that money and you invest it. And you make dividends from it. So, guys, what do you think? What do you think of this? If uh, only we could invest our DVD collections. Right? Man, I would be so rich. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. You put up the capital. I mean. All right. All right. That's that's my thought. What do you guys think? Think, think it'll work? I think, for a couple days. For, <laughs> I think you got the bare bones of something there. Yeah. I don't know if it's also, alive I mean, or dead yet, but. You'd have to go to the dump and dig up DVDs. Oh, but. well, here, you, okay, here's the thing. You get money by buying the DVDs, all right? So, like, you have to pay for the actual purchase of the disc. So, then they would take that and invest that. So, they'd be continuously getting just product for free and then selling that product for cheap. And then using that to invest. Because then when you donate it, you're not... Act that's how my brain was figuring it out. When you're donating it, you're not getting any actual money. You're just getting in-store credit. But if you're using in-store credit to purchase all the DVDs, then you're probably not getting much money either, to yeah, be honest. No, this, this isn't going to be a particularly lucrative business. No, and to be fair, to be fair... In my dream, Blockbuster didn't look that great. Like, it wasn't in a great space. Did, did Blockbuster ever look great? I mean, I they had yeah, carpets. They did. In the 90s... There, Come there was on. That. It was like walking into a palace. <laughs> Man. It had fucking sour ropes and popcorn on shelves. Oh, man. The buckets of popcorn that they had. They were so good. I do remember that. Oh, so good. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> back to... Uh, back to Arion. Okay. Back to Arion. 
apologies. I just, I just had to, I had to say it. It was a. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. That is a very odd dream. Yeah. Yeah. I asked my wife and she just goes, mm, no, I don't think that would work. And I was like, why? And she goes, because no one buys DVDs anymore. I'm like, oh, there is that. I forgot That's all about, I forgot yeah. all yeah, about that. Yeah, this is true. That. That, there is a reason there's one blockbuster left in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. Ariane, we were talking about plot. Yeah. So so then I guess it ends and it could be a simulation in this weird sci-fi. Yeah. So I, I think the, the allusion is to this, um, this machine called the Dream Sequencer. And uh, what it says at the end is feelings I remember. So it's like the Dream Sequencer is starting to figure out emotions and feelings again. Um <clears throat> And that's that's connected to one of the other albums, uh, which I can't remember if it was the Electric Castle or which which album that was. But yeah, it's it it does have the little sci-fi component twist there at the end. Um, like I said, I, I've always been one that I, I think the album stands on, on its own. It doesn't need that little twist at the end, a little illusion. But that's that's one of those progressive rock things that I think they do a lot, like. Dream Theater did that, where like a lot of their albums would end on a specific riff or note, and then the next album would begin on the same specific note or riff. Yeah, um, and things like that. Yeah, or like Coheed has the same riff at the beginning of all their albums, or at least the majority of them. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a cool album overall. Not what I was expecting at all. I loved the didgeridoo. Uh, yeah, I loved cool all the instruments that were in this. Yeah. One of the, so the cool thing is because he's in his dreams, he's in his mind, he's in a coma, right? Mm-hmm. So he's kind of traveling through different memories, through different planes, all within his mind. And so I don't know if the rest of their albums kind of follow this formula, but every song sounded so unique and individual. Yeah. Like you could pick different songs on this album, play them f- not side by side. They don't even sound like they're from the same the same thing. It, so they they don't different. yeah, stylistically they don't make sense being together. Right. Until you actually hear it all together. Right. Um so he did a great job of every song is uniquely its own. It's expressing not only the story of what's going on, but the emotion behind it. You sound like sometimes that keyboard's going crazy and it's fucking phased up like nothing else. And you feel like you're traveling through a wormhole. Yeah. Like that's, that's some of the, yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like there are certain songs where like, I think there's one song where it goes from the perspective of the wife and the best friend back to him. But only after there's this long synthetic interlude that sounds like you're just in a dryer going around. Yeah, it's when know. the synth starts going crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the guy playing the keyboards on this. Pretty impressive. It's it's nuts. All the music is awesome, and it travels multiple different styles. It almost sounds like Irish folk tunes to Celtic music to really heavy metal to kind of general progressive rock to almost a classical rock musical sound mm-hmm. it, it spans so many different genres and and not only from song to song but within songs yeah there is a yeah. harsh 
like juxtaposition to some of the sounds that are within it. Yeah, and sometimes I think that reflects. So each of the vocalists singing. So like one is passion, one is love, one is rage. So like the screaming, the anger. That's that's usually rage. That's usually um, that might be Devin Townsend. I think he's the guy that started. Um, uh, I can't I can't remember the name of the strapping young lad. I think um, all the different vocalists are like each associated with a feeling or an emotion. Like pain is one. I mean, he kind of has this like low, sort of morose sound to his voice, and then you mix those like emotions up. Like you get him and and rage and reason is another voice, like all okay. together and like they're talking. And that's where I think some of the confusion comes in because it is hard to differentiate some of those voices unless you're almost looking at a transcript or something. Yeah. Um, which which I have done because like I said, I was intending to take this and try to put it on on stage in sure. the theater. That'd be it'd be um, a really cool play. Yeah, and that and that would remove that too, because then you have the visual of each character and it's much more, you know, straightforward. Yeah. It'd be easier to decipher what was going on. Yeah. They absolutely so my favorite songs on it because it sets the mood so much and you can see it not it gives you the feeling of it and it feels like it's transporting you to different lands the way the music changes and sometimes because the music changes so drastically within songs sometimes you don't even realize where one song ends Mm -hmm. and the next one starts and i i think that's another thing that's kind of intentional because it just feels like you're just flowing through which is kind of the concept of what's going on yeah but my favorite songs are there is a like I said, there's a big twist or a big shift when they get to the second act. Mm-hmm. Those first two songs, when it shifts to the second act, those two in unison were my two favorites. Gotcha. Because the first one is uh, Trauma. Okay. And okay. that's the first time where you really get a lot of yelling. And the guy, he's like, essentially the lyric is, he's like, do you deserve to be here? He's like, no, you deserve to be dead. Right. And it just <laughs> go like that's. Like I said, that first half is him kind of reflecting on memories. Mm-hmm. And then the second half is him really being tormented by actually taking them in and trying to deal with this stuff. This is when he starts really getting tormented. He's like, I don't know if I want to wake up. I don't know if I deserve to wake up. Right. And that's the start of that. Yeah. And that one's so heavy and so you can feel the I don't I assume that one is agony, the mm-hmm. guy singing in that one. Probably. <laughs> because it feels like agony. Yeah. And then the song right after that is a called song called Sign. And it sounds like this is one of those I literally was seeing the scene in my head. It sounds like a soft Irish folk tune. It's a woman with a very angelic voice singing very sweetly. And I don't even know the words, but it was just it felt like. You, you could just feel the warmth of her like holding him in her arms and saying like, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. I was like, I almost cried like listening to that song because that, it was just so emotionally impactful between the way they did the music. It was like soft pan flutes and a just an acoustic guitar, which mm-hmm. is pretty rare in this. Just a, right, right. <laughs> it's just a gentle acoustic guitar <laughs> and a pan yeah. flute and this girl singing and it was all so sweet and like, genuinely almost brought me to tears yeah that might have been the voice of love because i I think as far as women there's love there's passion i believe they're two different characters and then i think the wife is a third 
character as well. Hold on, I'm looking down. Yeah, it looks like there are three women. Yep. Okay. And that one has to be love because it definitely yeah. wasn't the wife and definitely wasn't the voice of passion. Yeah, passion. She she gets a little yeah. bit more fiery yeah. and um, it, it like I, I think I kind of mentioned it before. It's it's what's interesting to me is like the interactions of like multiple of these feelings. So like love and passion. Like obviously those emotions kind of go hand in hand, but they're different. And like how those characters interacted with each other in the story and talked to each other, um, like reason, and uh, there's another one I want to say, I don't think it's pain. There's a, there's another character, but reason and like another character at one point are like, we don't really get along. But pride but, maybe. Uh, pride. I think it's pride. Yeah. Um, listen to pride. Listen to reason. You know those kinds of things. Like he he's actually right here. You know and those those different emotions as characters interacting the same way it would in a person like kind of just get boiled together you know yeah all this really does seem like he was going through some stuff <laughs> he's like i need to get this down on paper because <laughs> it really is just a story of a person dealing with the inner turmoil and conflict of being a person when you're when you're faced with adversity <laughs> right how how old is this album so I want to say I think the album is two thousand four. Correct. Okay. It was released May twenty fifth. That's my birthday. Two thousand four. Wow. It feels older. Yeah. It has an older feel to it. Yeah. Not that's not a, a negative or a positive. I just to me it feels I don't know kind of like um like it belongs in the nineties a little bit maybe even earlier. I don't know. It just had such a cool mix of sounds. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Do you think, um, so Rob, I don't know if you know, Micah made me listen to Coheed and Cambria, which mm-hmm. I had never really listened to. Do you think that this is a band that influenced them? Because I got a lot of Coheed vibes. The one guy, I'm not sure which guy it was. I thought <clears throat> saying, I thought it was the guy from Coheed until I looked through the <laughs> list and I'm like, I don't see his name. It's like Claudio Yeah, Claudio something. Sanchez. Yeah. The... the <laughs> That guy, I mean, he looks like a bisexual <laughs> Vietnam veteran living on the streets. <laughs> Jeez. So I, yeah, I thought it was him until I looked it up. I'm like, oh, he's they, not that's on here. Not, that's not him. I mean, they definitely love the idea of a concept album, and they they are certainly in the progressive rock vein. I I, I would be surprised if they don't know of them, you know. And I mean, same thing with. I mean, any progressive rock. I mean, Rush is going to come in at some play at some point. I, I would think that, you know, as far as progressive rock is concerned, Dream Theater is one of the top of of them as far as popularity is concerned. I think it'd be hard for them to say no. I mean, it's kind of yeah. like the guy, um, what's it, Greta Van Fleet. Um, when they interviewed them, they're they're the band that's they're sound new just like Led Zeppelin. They sound exactly like awesome. Led Zeppelin. They're incredible. And they asked the lead singer, like, did, so so did you get a lot of um, inspiration from uh, from Led Zeppelin? And they're like, well, yeah, a little bit, but we're more like you know we like the, the Beatles and like some of this other stuff. And it's just like, really, <laughs> <laughs> you're essentially Robert. What's his name? reincarnated like before he's even dead (laughs) sound just like him it's wild but yeah it's 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 funny like when you hear different musicians talk about who their influences are just generically it's 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 interesting to me who they pick because like to us yeah it's the obvious choice is is it robert planton is that his name from just plant (laughs) just plant robert plant okay but uh 
like Sully Erna from Godsmack. Um, you know, he has a sort of a unique quality to his voice. But when he talked about like who his influences were, they're not really what you would suspect. Like one of them was Lane Staley from Alice in Chains. And grunge vocalist doesn't really sound like him at all. So I guess I guess your inspiration doesn't necessarily lead to exactly what it is you're creating, but yeah. that makes sense. We had discussed that a little bit about like shitty pop stars and them pulling off actual like musicians off the top of their head that inspired them to do work and that's their inspiration. It's just their their music's not great, but they're doing what they do. And yeah. and it is it's surprising to to hear somebody like Ed Sheeran talk about these kind of what I would view as more technically sound musicians Mm -hmm. as his inspiration. Cause the dude's super talented. Yeah. Right. But you just don't see. Yeah. What he actually makes ends up being. Yeah. Totally different. (laughs) Yeah. Not, not that at all. It's like, I mean, that's, and that's everybody through history. Like the Beatles loved like old blues music. Oh, I thought you were going to say heavy metal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'd be curious. I'd be curious to hear Paul McCartney's thoughts on heavy metal. Paul McCartney was a huge he, Slayer fan. <laughs> <laughs> he's in a Slayer. He's in a Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, Cannibal because, Corpse. Pantera. He loves that. Like <laughs> Paul McCartney, single-handedly, is responsible for more music than anyone else in the world because people who are inspired by him and what he did. It's wild too, because like somebody in that position, like you don't. You, I would think that you're not out. Like I'm going to just totally change the course of history with this. Like Tolkien, Tolkien for example. Tolkien never intended to make the fantasy genre. He wanted to do like a pseudo history with a bunch of fake languages. Yeah, he was a fucking dork. He was a total. Dork. He was a linguist, yeah. and he incidentally farted out the entire fantasy genre. And now we have dwarves <laughs> and elves and all this D and D and all that shit. You know, yeah. totally incidental, but like one of the a, a huge genre. Um, yeah, same thing with like Paul McCartney. I mean, how much or Elvis? Like, you know, how many people did they influence and have a hand in creating? Totally incidentally, we just wanted to do drugs and have sex and play rock and roll, and yeah. now I made a genre of music. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, we are. Um... We're reaching. We are reaching about that time where we we give our final thoughts and a grade here. Okay. Or a rating. Thor, since you gave us your initial thoughts first, yeah. Have let's, anything? Let's give a rating. Um, how about okay? Final thoughts and give this album a rating on a scale of one to ten. Car wrecks. Mm. <laughs> Give this, give this album. Days in amnesia. Yeah, give this album a rating on a scale of one to. We're talking twenty. One to twenty days of amnesia. Okay. Okay. <laughs> twenty being the best. <laughs> or, 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 or I just want to make this very don't, clear. Don't you want 20 days of amnesia over one? I mean, <laughs> yeah, 20 being the best. Okay, all right. So full on amnesia. Okay, yeah. So what, what do you think, Thor? One, one out of 20. All right. I think I'm going to go 16. Yeah. So music wise, 
you can't fucking touch this album. You can't say anything bad about the music. All the, oh God, what do they call them? Instruments. Uh, the, uh, Singers. Uh, no, the, like the orchestratic, like. Yeah. What do they call it? Synthesizers. <laughs> Actual. Violins oh. and oboes. Genres. <laughs> oh, there are many things. God, the word is the word was in my brain, and then you ever have that word just yeah. You slips made away. you made like flute sound, fi- like flute finger oh, those motions. Are thinking fingers. Oh, okay. <laughs> it could have oh. been like pie. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the the orchestration, the the music as a whole, okay, is just incredible. I, I love all the effects that they use for the different instruments, all the different instruments, all the different genres of music they pull in. The fact that every sound is so uniquely its own and not only feels like a different story, but feels like a different emotion and really pulls you in. Music's off the chart. All the singers are incredible. Only knocks I have on this really is, I did feel there were a couple parts where I felt, especially in the beginning, like I said, I think the lyrics were a little bit just too too easy and just a little too upfront. And maybe that is intentionally that way to make sure the story is easy to read. Yeah. And I would take a little bit of points away. I don't know I don't know how many times this could be like a re-listen. Like like all the way through? Yeah, because I feel like I wouldn't want to just listen to one or two songs. I would need to listen to the whole two-hour-long yeah, thing. thing I, I'd agree with that. In, as- in order to that. So that that kind of makes it tough because you can't just put on one or two. You could, mm-hmm. but it would feel very unsatisfying. Yeah. There are some songs I really like on here that I'd happily listen to, but then once I got done listening to them, I'd be like, well, now I got to hear the next one, and now I got to <laughs> listen to the rest of the damn thing. I, I should probably just album. go back to the beginning <laughs> yeah. and just listen to the whole thing. <laughs> It's like it's uh, it is it's like of, a movie. Yeah, it's an yeah. entire complete story. It really is. It's one of those albums that like I'll, I'll go like a year and then I'll just be like, you know what? I want to listen to that and I'll I'll listen to the whole thing. But I, you're you're exactly right. I don't usually go in and listen to one or two songs. I've got to listen to the album to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't think it's really meant to be consumed one or two. Yeah. It'd be like you guys are comic book guys. It'd be like a run of comics and you're like i'm just gonna read one in the middle in the middle yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> we're gonna read three and seven out of 14 and that's just gonna that's where we're gonna get our story yeah <laughs> i i specifically if i see because sometimes i'll see like they dump comics at ollie's i don't know if you've mm-hmm. noticed that but mm-hmm. but then i'll be like oh man they've got this run of batman and i find issue one i find issue two i find issue three I find issue five, I find issue six, I find issue seven, uh-huh. and then I scour all of Ollie's for issue four, and I don't find issue <laughs> and four. And Ollie's is not the place where you're supposed to be scouring no, for comics. No, not at all. <laughs> no, you shouldn't scour for anything. You don't know what you'll find Ollie's. You gotta go in it, there with a shovel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so then, ultimately, I go, well, I can't read any of this, and I put all of those books back yeah <laughs> every single oh, one because i'm not gonna i'm not gonna miss number four i need the whole thing yeah, yeah. exactly so. and that's how i feel about this album so those are genuinely my only criticisms whatsoever lyrics not a huge fan of but that's fine and listenability wise if i had these cds it's not like i'm putting them in the car and listening to them every day yeah but other than that overall this was great yeah i think so as far as for me honestly the song Loser gets five points 
on its own. Like that's five <laughs> days so out cool. of a coma. We didn't talk enough, <laughs> enough about that, that song. Is so cool. Uh, not to hype it up that much, but man, <laughs> that is if you don't ever listen to another song in your entire life, that's the one to listen to. Wow, <laughs> man, right? wow. Okay, they, I was listening to this while I was working on a freelance job at one in the morning. And I'm just sitting at my computer working and I am just jamming out to this thing at like <laughs> one in the morning. And I'm this is so good. And then the ending happens and I just immediately hit repeat. And that's the only that's the only song that I did any of that with that. That one just was off the charts. Amazing. Not that the rest of the album wasn't good. There was a lot of it that was really, really, really good. But for me, that track just above and beyond everything. It was like the best thing that I've heard in a very long time. So there's that end on it. Sometimes with progressive rock albums or concept albums, I think that sometimes they get a little bit infatuated with themselves and infatuated with the concept album as a whole. They're like, we're doing this yeah. thing and it's artsy and it's kind of our our thing. And I get that a little bit. And I would agree with Thor that um, the lyrics were... A little bit blunt for my liking. However, I think that they were better than crass in their lyrics. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, I I can't agree with you. I can't agree with you. <laughs> yeah, Nagasaki, crass, Nagasaki, crass Nagasaki, was also Nagasaki. very blunt and straightforward. Yeah. I will admit. Yeah, but I would say the yeah actually. I mean, to it's not own. a hill I'm willing to die on. Actually. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll accept it. I'll accept it. That's right. I won this one. Um, <laughs> so I would. You gave it a what? A 17, Thor? 16. 16. I was thinking 17 in my mind. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to do 17 days of amnesia. If I had to listen to Loser for 17 days, I'd be set. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> You're taking Loser with you. Yeah, taking Loser with me. Uh, that was. I, That's like the most tormented song of all of us. You're going to be tormented for I probably 17 would be. Yeah, because like, that, that particular song is his dad telling him how worthless he how, is yeah. and how much he's like his dead mom. Yeah, yeah. it's not a happy song no. by any means. But it's great. Yeah, The yeah. guitar work in that song is really off the charts. Was that singer in any of the other al- other songs? So I think the, the dad, the, the father might be a separate voice too but i think that particular track the screaming might have been anger or rage or whatever uh, the... this says the vocals on that one were mike baker and townsend so townsend i think is rage or, okay or anger uh, or whatever see. the name of the character is we'll go down here townsend 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 is rage Yep, so that whole okay. song so he's is in the background. Father yeah. and yeah. his rage and rage. So okay. that's literally pretty much his father telling him you're a piece of shit and then rage agreeing, "Oh, you're a piece of shit." Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, but was father in any of the other songs? In the first half, I believe it's on uh day 3 pain. No, day 6 childhood. Okay. Day 6 childhood is when he first delves into his father oh, yeah, 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 essentially yeah. he's saying like his father would take him out for the day yeah. and like beat the shit out of him because yeah. he wasn't good enough and then when his mother would ask oh what happened he'd be like oh he fell because he's like all bruised up and he would that's where he first establishes that his father called him a loser yeah i don't Do you- know that the father actually sings though in any other song 
It might be like one other song, possibly, but I'm not positive. Hold on, let's. See he that. just that voice. You are seemed, correct. Nope, he's not anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, I didn't think that he did. It seemed more manic and mm-hmm. unhinged. Yeah, uh, almost like does is that really how the father was, or do you think that that was a perception of of the father? Because if the whole thing's happening in his brain, like would that be? Not to say that his dad was a good guy, because clearly he wasn't, but. Do you think that it was amplified a little bit? I just felt like like that character almost not that he felt out of place, but he seemed to be taken up a notch in in the way that he sang. He seemed a little bit unhinged. When he's actually delving into the story of his issues with his father, that comes in the first half. Yeah. And that's kind of him like sulkily explaining like, yeah, my dad was shit. He was he was a shit to my mom he was you know he was abusive to me we have a lot of problems and so in the song loser mm-hmm. that's i think that specific piece is him confronting his father confronting because i don't think he ever did in real life so i think that amped up you know insane sounding father that's kind of like him in his mind being larger than life being this you know this whole life he's built him up as being this demon, as sure. being this, yeah, it's like this, this monster he has to this defeat. This cloud almost. that's been hanging over him. And that's kind of what that song is about, is him finally, it's his rage finally, like, he never got to express it as a kid. Yeah. Because his dad took off, I believe. Right, yeah. So that's him confronting that. Yeah. Fight, fighting the final boss. Yeah, so so 17 out of 20 for me. It was, it was a really, really, really a cool listen. I would agree with Micah. I was thinking 17. I would say you guys already touched on the positives. I think the negatives would be you look kind of weird jamming out to a pan flute in your car in the sure. middle of public. Right. You know? yeah. But yeah. It's all right. It's okay. <laughs> um, and the other side, too, is that I've I've listened to the album so many times and have sat down with a transcript and read it that it's it's a little different for me personally. That's not something everyone wants to experience, but that literally sitting down and seeing like who the characters are and and seeing who's talking adds it, it just clears so much up, you know. It, and uh, it is one of those things that the more that you do listen to it, like you listen to the album a couple times, and all of a sudden you start picking up more bits of of story. Oh, I'll be like, oh, oh, that makes so much more sense. That's yeah. that's a different character. That's so and so, you know, and and that kind of thing. But that's kind of a project and that's not necessarily for everybody yeah but. barrier to entry is a little bit tough on this yeah you gotta sure. be, you gotta be ready for ready to commit yeah ready to commit to listening to the whole thing and kind of like you said you had to like kind of dive into it to really because i read a quick wikipedia description right so i would be lying if i said i had more than a barely grasp on the story you know what i mean like the most bare bones structure of it i get but the nuance and stuff i'm sure there is a lot of nuance to the story Mm -hmm. it's it's probably lost on me because i don't know all the lyrics i don't know all that yeah right that is true i think for you to enjoy this like to really enjoy you could you could enjoy the music of it probably pretty easily but i think for you to really enjoy the album you've got to pay attention to it so it's yeah. It's not something that you put on in the background and just let it play. It's it's more of an experience. Like like you really got to soak in everything, probably with the lyrics right there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's something that 
I don't know. It requires more than just your hearing. It's there's a mental capacity that comes with it, and um, it takes more dedication to I think fully appreciate what's happening in the album. Yeah, but I think that's why I got high marks because that's a worthwhile endeavor. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't don't put it on and think that you're just gonna get the whole experience. If you have it on in the background while you're cleaning the house. This ain't easy right. listening. This ain't the Moody Blues, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? Hey, now. Hey, now. Moody Blues. No, no, I'm not saying anything good, but I'm saying... You better not say anything you bad can, about no, Nights in White Satin. You can just put... A, no, but you can just put on the Moody Blues and just put it on in the That's background yeah. and hum along and you're good. Yeah. Okay. This ain't that, though. Not at all. Not at all. <sighs> um... All right, so where are we with the recommendation? Am I recommending you something this week? Are you recommending okay, me something our this last, week? No, I'm recommending you because okay. our last right, one good, because was... I didn't come prepared. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I didn't exactly either. I just have my running list of when I see cool shit. Okay, yeah, I write sure. it on the list. Write it on this uh-huh. list. What are we thinking? A show? Oh, I'll take whatever you a got. A game, a movie, music. You have a game to recommend? I do. Okay. Interesting. Are you ready for the time commitment? Sure. So you have a Switch. I do have a Switch. Have you played Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild yet? No, but I own it, and I haven't touched it yet. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. I couldn't have worked out more perfect. Nice. So, I- so here's how far I got in Breath of the Wild. I got past the menu screen. I opened. I, I woke up in some type of cave, and it said... Link. And then I turn the game off. Yep. That's about it. Why'd you turn it off? Uh, I don't have a good reason. I think here's what it was. Here's my, here's my reason. I was like, I feel like I'm going to get sucked into this and I need to protect myself. You will. From yes. that right now. Yes. It will eat you alive. So here's the, so, okay. <laughs> good. Here, well, here's the thing. The breath of the wild is wildly celebrated. It's, Still, to this day, one of the most popular streamed games. And it came out in, like, 2015. Cool. My opinion, it's one of my favorite games of all time. That's awesome. Here's the thing. Okay. I've heard there are a lot of people on the other side of the fence, especially a lot of, like, Zelda diehards, who hate it. So I think they're in the minority, but there is a group of people. So generally, the only feedback I've ever heard on this on the internet from friends is people either love it yeah or hate it yeah, but they hate it specifically because it deviated from what link or zelda has been in the past yes as well as just some of the mechanical choices and okay. stuff in the game yeah so next week we will discuss breath of the wild i mean just however much you play we'll talk about sure so um i think yeah. you'll i i genuinely i think you'll enjoy it though yeah, you'll love it. You're a huge uh, Witcher 3 fan, and I feel like it's... Yeah, I'm a huge Witcher fan in general. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've also heard that, well, Miyazaki, the creator of the Dark Souls series Bloodborne and Elden Ring, mm-hmm. has come out and said that that game specifically, the Breath of the Wild game, influenced a lot of what was in Elden like Ring. Elden Ring. Yep. Yeah, I could see that. So, and I loved Elden Ring. I put, I think... 180 hours into character one and I think another 90 hours into character two. Jesus Christ, how much do you sleep? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) You can ask any one of our friends. Mike is running on coffee and paint fumes. (laughs) Holy moly. To to be fair, 
ask um, ask McCrary or ask Alpo how many times I've sent them text messages at like one or two in the morning, and it's just YouTube videos that I've found. And I'm like, you need to listen to this right now. And I don't realize that it's one in the morning. Whoops. Yeah. But um, sorry, friends. Yeah, sorry, friends. They'll tell you that I do it. But yeah, I don't sleep much. So, but honestly, having like there's a reason I got the switch. It's so that I could play kind of on the go or like go up to bed and like lay in the bed and play a little bit before I go to sleep. So I probably just will do that and then not sleep. That's genuinely the only system I play anymore for that exact reason. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, um, okay. So next week, Legend, Legend of Zelda. Zelda. Breath of the Wild. That was pretty good. It was pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, we didn't even try that. We, it just we, happened naturally. Yeah. Um, Rob, thank you so much for coming on this show. Honestly, this was a great recommendation. I had a whole bunch of fun listening to it. Awesome. Thanks, yeah, this, yeah, this was awesome. It was very good. Uh, we've been trying to get people on the show, and you were a great addition. You had a great recommendation. Appreciate um, it. Yeah, so... Uh, one more time, what's the what's the book that people need to go and buy? Okay, so it is On Top of a Yeti by Patrick T. Fibbs. Again, it's a kid's book for young readers' ages, probably 3 to you know, 24, depending on your reading ability. Yeah. All right. I'm awesome. Hoover, I will put so. a link in the description of this. I, can't, I said video on the last time I had to put a link. It's not a video. We don't have video. Don't look for a video. There's no video. <laughs> but I will put a link in the episode description. Yeah, that didn't even register to me that you that you said, I said video. it like twice. <laughs> I realized as I was editing, I realized it said video. And I'm like, there's no video. People listening to this are like these idiots. <laughs> but yeah, Don't even realize I'll, they're not on video. <laughs> but in any case, I will put a link in this episode for on top of Yeti, uh, where to buy it on Amazon. This is going to be coming out, you know, at the beginning of December and in November. Sounds like so, a perfect Christmas gift. Yeah, a great Christmas gift if you know a young person or maybe an older person who don't read so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But in any case, we'll put it in there. Go buy it. Yeah, go buy it and um, check out Arian. The Human Equation is a solid album. Definitely worth listening to. And... Um, Next week, I expect everybody to go out and buy a Switch if you don't have a Switch, and then <laughs> play Breath of the Wild. Also, what you can do is you can just go on YouTube or Twitch, and you'll find a million and a half videos I guess. of people playing Breath of the Wait, Wild. Are you telling me the Zelda game is a Switch exclusive? No way. <laughs> Nintendo exclude. Oh, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I have no love for Nintendo. Like they, I, I grew up on the Sega Genesis and then went to PlayStation. Sega Genesis all day. Yeah. Dude, you're right. the first person I've ever... I'm the same way. Oh, yeah? I also... I mean, I had the original... like The original Nintendo. NES. Yeah. Which I played for probably like maybe a year or something before yeah. my dad bought me a Sega. Sega Genesis, yeah. And then I was a Sega to PlayStation guy. Yep, Never liked Nintendo. Yeah, I'm the same exact way. I rented a Nintendo 64 a couple of times... Like, I rented the console. Dude, you remember when you could oh, rent man. consoles? They were so from, cool. Where could you rent them from? Blockbuster. Blockbuster. Yeah. All right. All right. Another thing, you donate consoles, and then you can just buy consoles on the cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, the business plan, it would work. All right. So next week, Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda. That's what we're getting into. Uh, Rob, you've been a treasure to have. We expect you to come on here some 
some other time soon with something just as cerebral. Uh, yeah. more than You've been to. like a yeah. cool breeze on a person. <laughs> <laughs> that was like awesome. Fart on the wind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, until next time, you guys have a good night. As always, get wrecked. Stay wrecked. And, okay. uh, yeah. Good night, everybody. You want to try that again? Nope. <laughs>